Yes, people, I told you. I told you. Yo, it's part two of this week's Echo Chamber, people. And of course, I mean, we're always nice, man. We're always nice. We come with the goods. So today we look at this really interesting, it's fictional, it's kind of documentary. It's a, it's a look at society. It's a delicate state. And we speak to the director, first time director, Paula Rowe. So this is one not to miss, people. Trust me. Trust me. Let's get it going, right? Okay, people, as we always do, we start off with the film. So let's take a look at Delicate. Okay, people. So, um, yeah, <laughs> this week, man, I, I got to check out a, a new film. Huh. Yeah, film, documentary. It's a kind of a hybrid affair, right? All came about, all came about, uh, you know, on the new year essentially, because the delightful AJ Fuhrman, she um, hit me up and said she was going to send me something interesting. And she really did. Because people, I, um, yeah, I got to watch Delicate State, right, which is the new film from uh, Paula Rhodes, right? See, uh, she actually well, it's a directorial debut, you know, a directorial debut, which she did while pregnant, <laughs> you know what I mean, so yeah, it is super interesting, I definitely, I feel misconstrued what, what it was, right, well, uh, when I say that, I think, I thought that some, you know, some of it was it was, you know, speaking metaphorically, which it was not. <laughs> but th listen, I yeah, that sounds rather vague, right? But you'll understand. You will understand, people. But uh, yes, so, um, you know, it is a very small crew. <laughs> you know, what I mean? so Paula, you know, she directs produces um charlie bowden her uh her partner her husband he he did all the camera work and the um you know the sound the dit all of that business it's edited by rachel henry um vfx is handled by david matty um, and the crew at Dormant Lion Entertainment. That's not a bad name for a company, right? Dormant Lion. Yeah. <laughs> and for a low-budget film, the effects were good, right? There's, there's definitely a, a scene an hour in with the house that I was like, how the fuck did they do that? 
right? Because yeah, it looks super real. Um, color grading and all of that was handled by Jared Hoy and the peoples at EXO Productions, Post Productions, um, KO Creative. Yeah, they did the mixing. Rob Goki, um, he he composed the music, right? And our cast. Uh, as I said, it, it's not a huge one. We had Paula. Um, she plays a character called Paula. <laughs> Charlie plays a character called Charlie. Uh, we got Glenn Morshower. He plays uh, Glenn. <laughs> Kathy Barron plays Kathy. And Domino the Cat plays Domino the Cat. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> that was um that was the cast. Now there's a there's other people involved because there's um man, there's a gang scene and a hospital and all of that. So yeah, there was more people, but yeah, that was uh you know the our main characters. So the gist, right? This was shot over the course of their actual pregnancy with the leads doubling as a two-person crew. Paula and Charlie document their impending parenthood during a time of extreme political division. Their heads remain in the sand about the greater world around them until it upends their privileged life. Now they must navigate the loss of a loved one the, the destruction of their home and the ruins of their health care system. And the nation's most vulnerable moment. Right, shot mostly in 2015 when such events seemed like a pure fiction, Delicate State extended filming to document the ensuing uh, nationwide protests political conversations, uprisings and lockdowns as their original outline continued to spiral into reality. So, uh, yeah, that, that's the film. And when I say I, you know, I mistook what this was, right? Now, I, what I mean is, right, because um, in some of the synopsises, right, there's talk of civil war. And so I was like, oh, do they mean, you know, this metaphorical civil war, right? And because when you look at things, like people of political leanings were kind of going at each other and all of that. So I'm thinking that's what they're meaning. But no, <laughs> no, this, this actually, you know, gets into that. All right, which you're like, oh, yeah, I wasn't expecting that, right? Now, the other thing that I thought was real interesting, because again, I just thought it, it kind of came from them just, you know, just by incidents deciding to document, you know, the baby and all of that kind of jazz, right? And then they were like, oh, let's, let's, you know, repurpose this and create something. But no, I, I don't think it, it was. <laughs> but no, it, it is, 
it is definitely interesting. Definitely interesting because I think although you know what I mean it it's planned out, right? I think there are these things that you you kind of look at and you're like, oh no, I feel that is real, right? This is a real kind of emotion, a real thing that's coming across. And yeah, it, it's because at the beginning they're very happy and it's all like, hey, let's do this and blah blah blah. Hey, baby, and just all of that, you know, stuff. But they also do show some of the, the crazy shit. Right, like <laughs> when she's just crying about something that's just like, wait, what? <laughs> what the fuck? That's not. That's nothing. Like, why are you crying about that? Right, that makes no sense. Makes no sense. Uh, but yeah, the the film it it. But you see some interaction with her sister, and that's again. I'm thinking that this interaction, it's just you know, kind of show those different political leanings and viewpoints, conspiracy theories and all of that. But no, it is the uh, Harringer, Har Harbinger of what was to come, as it were. I feel I did use that word correctly. I may not have, but hey-ho. <laughs> you know, but um, yeah. So, right, the, the film gets to this point and then it, it suddenly, you know, it, you know, starts to get crazy, right? Certain things go down. And at first you're thinking, all right, well, yeah, no, like things blow up and that could be just a general. But then it's just like, hold on, <laughs> I think this is going somewhere else. Right, I mean, this is going somewhere I didn't expect it to go. I will say, these, <laughs> these individuals, Paula and Charlie, Jesus Christ, they, these motherfuckers are lucky <laughs> to get as far as they get because, boy, <laughs> they are, oh man, like, I don't know what you would call them, naive, delusional, there is just shit that they do, and you're just like, whoa, 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 no, 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 you do not do that, right? Like, how many films, right? Films, books, TV shows, like, there's certain things that, hey, even though we ain't lived it, surely <laughs> you have an idea that this ain't the thing to do, right? This ain't the thing to do. But yeah, no, we, we see them make a whole heap of mistakes. You know, they, they meet different people who um, have views. I will say, when they did meet Glenn, I kind of felt Glenn is the type of person who he ain't holding back on the things he's saying, right? Some of the stuff he said, you feel, mm, I, I feel you'd go further, right? I, I don't think someone like that is holding back at all. You know what I mean? But yeah, that's that's I feel that's just a minor thing. It's um yeah, it's interesting, man. It, it is I I was intrigued all the way through. I was just like, all right, where are the 
where is this going to go, right? What is going to happen to these people? Because I don't know if they're equipped to handle this shit. You know what I mean? So, yeah, we get to see all of it. And um, I think even at the end, it is like, oh, I wonder, yeah, I wonder where this does go, right? Because with, with everything falling apart, right, health systems, like infrastructures, that does kind of take things all the way back, right? It, it takes things to power is controlled by the people with the strength. Right. So, you know, I, I think we do see a point. Guns give you power. Right. Weapons give you that strength. So, you know, bringing a, a kid into the world, it's an interesting thing. It is an interesting thing. Now, um, they do make this point. Right. Um in the uh, in the blurb we're giving, right? Paula says, women in well, I probably should get the the, the first bit, right? Um, talk about a labor of love, right? What started as a way to keep my creative sanity as my belly grew and auditions dwindled, developed into a peak through a thinning veil of possibility as America pushed towards a dangerous ledge. I was seeing the term civil war tossed around more frequently in social and mainstream media, and I realized people, especially men, weren't taking to heart all that entailed. That was 2015. I had no idea how close this film would veer towards becoming a documentary, right? Women in general tend to not choose war. And as my impending motherhood grew closer, I truly began to grasp why. I, I do find that interesting because I, I don't know how true that is, right? I definitely think that we, we, you know, a lot of women do, you know, motherhood does change how they see things and all of that. But there's some crazy broads out there who have definitely pushed for war. I mean, Hillary Clinton for one, right? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, like, it, it is interesting. Um as I said, like, how this came about, but, you know, one thing, and it, it's what they do mention as well, that it doesn't necessarily, like, lean one way, right? I, I think it does kind of walk that line through the middle. Um, yeah, we're essentially just following two parents, you know? So, yeah, I, I, I think if you're left or right or whatever the fuck, man, you know, I mean, I think you could find this interesting because it is friggin' it is interesting. Right. Uh, now, it's out on the 4th. Uh, so you can get it from all your favorite 
VODs, people. So, yeah, if you are intrigued by, hmm, like political commentary, right? I mean, we, we looked at that documentary last year about the different political parties and stuff in the States. I forget, it's something like in America or something like that, right? Remember? Um, but yeah, if you like stuff like that, I do feel that Delicate State will speak to you. You know, it is definitely, man, as a, you know, I feel I say it all the time, but as a directorial debut, hey, very solid. And it'll be interesting to see what, um, you know, Paula does next, you know, and if she ropes Charlie in to um, help her out. But yeah, Delicate States, people, it is out right now. Okay, and now, people, sit tight, because it's, it, you know what I mean? We have a great conversation. It is the incredible, the talented, the, the engaging. It's Paula Rhodes. Okay, people, so I am joined by um, first-time director at... But you will have seen her in many places. It's the uh, the great, the talented Paula Rhodes. Paula. Hi. <laughs> thank you for stopping by. I really appreciate that. Oh, I'm thrilled to. <laughs> All right. So um, we're, we're, we're here to talk about your new film. Yeah. Your debut film. Indeed. Oh, At least my feature film, right? Like I've done... Plenty of short films, but uh, this is the first time I've taken on the the feature category uh, with a director hat. Anyway, so mm. uh, whew, you know it's a little different than my Resident Evil uh, dalliances for voices acting. Uh, so <laughs> whole new side of the brain we were using on this one. This is this is delicate state, and yeah. I'm I'm so excited to have it out in the world today. It launches today globally. So yeah crazy like what was that feeling waking well going to bed yesterday and waking up today like what what knowing that you know that, that when you wake up everything's gonna change <laughs> okay, I have no idea um it it was very exciting uh and it's been lovely to even just get a, the messages I've gotten so far um I would say it, it the the biggest um, heart boost I got was just doing the premiere, I suppose, and actually finally seeing it on the big screen um, and sitting there with so many people that I loved and cared about who had supported me in various factions or in the film, as well as my parents who are also in the film, um, and just seeing it finally come to life and hearing some of the reactions from, from these same people that I'd kind of imagined and held on to for all the years that we were crafting it so it, it was sort of a wonderful deja vu to finally have that moment and share it with the world I mean and it sounds like you had that moment in a real special place which is you, you got it in the Chinese like how did yeah, that exactly. happen because <laughs> I imagine most people in the director debut you know, in an ideal world, you'd be like, where would you like it to be like, oh, man, if I could, oh, I'd be great for it to, you know, but they don't expect it to happen. So how did this happen for you? It was a lot of stars aligning, to be honest. Um, 
So this is a film, Delicate State, that is shot over the course of my actual pregnancy, my first one, with a few pickup shots from my second one. Um, and it's us documenting, because the entire thing is the leads are the cast and crew, mm. for, um, my husband and I. Uh, we're documenting our pregnancy in this alternate timeline where the U.S. breaks out in civil war. And we started filming this in 2015. So we had no idea how close to documentary it would veer. But we've filmed a lot of the things since, with the very last shot that we filmed being in 2020 when uh, all the, everything was shutting down and we filmed a shot of just empty store shelves mm. as we went in to, to plop in. And uh, so it's been a long time growing in my heart <laughs> as we, you know, it takes a while to do post-production with two small children. Uh, but we, we started plotting out where we might want to see it. And I was given this opportunity by the Chimera Project, which is an amazing organization. I recommend anybody who's a, a film lover uh, to support them. And if you're a, a female or female identifying filmmaker, they are huge champions. And they helped me with a little bit of my finishing funds toward my VFX for this. And then along those lines, they also put me forward for a premiere um, or a screening uh, with Slam Dance at the Hollywood Arclight, which would have been in May of 2020. And I was beside myself. We had just started post. It was it was like a dream come true. So excited because that is another iconic uh, mm. theater. And, you know, obviously iconic festival. And I was really hustling to get toward that deadline. And then, you know, the world shut down. <laughs> so that one got delayed, but it was actually a positive thing because we were able to take that time and really polish her up and, and get her where I wanted post-production wise, which was great. And so along those lines, I started um, submitting to festivals to see where our premiere might be. And festivals are in kind of, you know, a weird limbo right now because we're still kind of tiptoeing back into what we can do group wise. Mm -hmm. And uh, I happened across uh, Dances with Films, which I'd been to as an actor and had such a wonderful experience. Um, and I knew they were at the Chinese theaters, which are just oh, glorious venue and kind of pie in the sky submitted there, along with a, a, a small handful of others that I knew I'd be willing to travel to. And uh, when we got the Dances does a unique thing in that they kind of let you know as you make each cut versus just yes or no at the end like a lot of us do. So I kept hearing like, okay, you've made it to the next round. You've made it to the next round. And I was like, my hopes just continued to grow. <laughs> and they actually delayed their announcement by about a week and a half. So when the original date came up and I didn't hear anything, I was like, oh, like crushed, <laughs> trying not to be. But like, oh, I just, I don't know. I just thought I could visualize it there. I, I thought we were supposed to be there. Oh. And then I got this lovely message from the programmers being like, well, hang on. We haven't actually announced yet. So just <laughs> wink, wink. And um, I didn't want to get my hopes up again. So I tried to forget that <laughs> email. But uh, sure enough, in a week and a half, they announced. And oh, we were chosen for that first opening weekend at Dances with Films and got to do uh, an incredible screening there and then went on to win Audience Choice Award which nice. really blew me away. I was yeah. not expecting that. <laughs> uh, I was just in t-shirt and jeans there to support my new filmmaker friends in the way back in the middle. So when they announced my name, I'm like, what? Ah! <laughs> but it's been a really a wonderful ride. And, um, you know, a series of learning curves and climbing things that people told me, you can't do this. You're, that's impossible. You can't make a film with two people. You can't make a film without a script. And again and again, I, I kept 
trying to prove the naysayers wrong because I figured if I could do this, especially at my most vulnerable, then hopefully it would serve to inspire other people to go after their, you know, impossible seeming dreams as mm. well as, you know, really get the message across that civil, civil war should not be an option and needs to be handled a lot more responsibly in our dialogues. So, uh, yeah, now it's out there. It's live. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I thought it was interesting in the, um, you know, in the line of notes and everything that we get sent. And it's saying that you showed it to all your friends, you know, and it, the, regardless of their political views, they just were able to enjoy the film. And I think it does. Yeah, it, it's it's not trying to really walk a particular line because like you don't name the president. Right. It's just this happens and it's not, you know, the reaction to that isn't a yay or a nay. Like Charlie is a bit disgusted by the reactions yeah. of other people, but and you can there's imagine no real commentary from either of you on on this. It's more about how does this affect our family? Yeah. Right. And this going forward. So I thought it was it was interesting and refreshing at that point that it's not you're not getting beaten over the head by by something and you can just see these people who I have to say I was surprised you made it I was surprised you got through that because I'm just like yo what what are they doing like <laughs> don't get out the car oh <laughs> I know there's plenty of times but we make these dumb choices as humans you know a lot of times um sometimes you lead with your with your heart versus your brain. And other times, you know, um, you should have led with your brain. But what we found was really interesting, uh, hearkening to your point about not particularly putting these characters in one camp or the other, uh, was that you can imagine over the course of filming from 2015 to now, there's been three separate presidents. Mm. So um, how that has been taken, that scene has evolved a bit, right? Um, and depending on where people sit naturally. But I thought it was really, it wasn't my intention going in to play it so uh, middle of the road until I saw that the benefit of not making them politically active, making them more like most people where we don't have the bandwidth to necessarily be super engaged politically and you really only see how it affects you personally. Um, to play them that way really drove home my point and took the audience along on a journey and didn't close off a whole segment of the population just because of tribalism, right? So I I saw that was a benefit. And more than that, I hoped that it shows that you really do, we need to get more of those people who most people are kind of in the middle, right? We're all on a spectrum, but the, the bulk of human humanity kind of sits somewhere in the middle with all different, you know, feelings about all different things, not just in mm. one entire camp or the other. And if we don't have more of the smart engage, uh, people in the middle start to really engage, you end up with the crazies driving the bus. And like happens in this alternate universe, they will drive it right over a cliff if we don't engage and take responsibility for that. So, um, so yeah, I, I suppose that's sort of where it was a happy accident discovering that playing them just as, as most of my Friends actually are where, you know, they're very focused on all their busy lives and the wonderful things that way. And they're good humans in general, but they're not terribly engaged globally or, or even nationally um, to realize that 
maybe it's time to pay attention a little bit, enough to know the basics, enough to have your say and to be um, weighing in. Yeah, I, I think it's a weird one, right? The whole political system. Because, oh, yeah. I, because as you said, I think a lot of people are more central than even they perceive. Mm -hmm. But being that we have all these different parties, you know, yourselves, it's mainly the two, right? Yeah, right. We do mostly, yes. You, you guys yeah. have a few more options, right? Well, yeah, ours tend to do just like all of one or all of the other, as opposed to the slight buffet that it really was kind of built to be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it kind of looks like there's a few more options, but there really isn't because when you look at them, right? Firstly, when you look at them, they've all got, they all go to the same schools. So it's just like, wait, how the hell can you be this if you all went there? You know what I mean? And it's, it's a weird one, but it's like, if, if we could, because when you look at things, people will say they're for this, but not that, mm -hmm. right? So then it's just like, well, then, you say you're this, but if you're against that, then you're part of that as well, right? Mm -hmm. So I think- It's an all or nothing sort of uh, setup at the moment, and that's not how it was designed to work. No. Uh, and, and not how most humans work. A lot of us have very strong feelings about one or two things, and then, you know, like we might be able to compromise on other things, which is sort of the compromising is where uh, it was designed to move forward as a system. Mm. But, but regardless, that's- that's so above and beyond what most people are, you know, um, dabbling with. <laughs> they're, they're kind of just mostly hyper-focused on our own sweet little lives and the troubles that come with everybody's um, just living, right? <laughs> your health yeah. troubles, your economic troubles, your personal uh, relationships. And, and it's easy to let those drive all of it and to let other people handle the bigger stuff. But it, as we're seeing, the people that seem to be taking over the bigger issues aren't always the adults in the room so no and there was a point that you made in the film about you know the fact that the media helps fuel certain narratives and mm -hmm. I think we've definitely seen that over the course of the last you know couple yeah. of years you know which very is much so I have a journalism degree and I uh I don't use it for the most part it's a <laughs> took off to chase other dreams. But uh, it really appalled me to see journalistic standards just completely go out the door, really from, you know, uh, here anyway, the, the fairness doctrine got turned thrown away. And then after that, they were able to have these like hyper partisanship uh, news channels, news channels pop up and really push a spin of one side or the other, as opposed to, um, you know, just objective news. Mm. Um, uh, and so we're not able to even have shared facts anymore which makes it really hard when you people live in their their bubbles, right? And that, that happens all over the world, although it's it's hyper happening in the US and social media only feeds that beast. So we're, we're in an age where it's it takes so much effort to find the truth because uh, the, the systems that we had set up to really feed those to us and find those for us aren't operating the way they were built to anymore. They're, they're serving economic and political means as opposed to uh information for the most part because that pays more <laughs> yeah oh yeah that 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 that's the thing isn't it because and we've had people even admit that yeah it, it's about click throughs and that <laughs> rather than 
you know, the 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 sort of journalism that we used to see back in the you know the K80s and and the likes like that, you know, where you used to get these really hard hitting stories that really just went into a subject, people embedding themselves somewhere for a year or so, you know, and coming out and giving you an expose on it all. But that's and we, we have some great investigative journalism still. It's just the fact that the outlets uh, tend to be perceived at least as partisan. And so where they are, it doesn't mean that, that, that everybody will believe their investigative journalism. When it is mm. really good information, there are always going to be now factions that doubt truth, yes. which is tough. Tough to find a shared reality when they don't agree what the reality is, right? So yeah, mm. this, was, this was my attempt to kind of tap into the magic that is filmmaking because one of the best things about storytelling ever since we were sitting around fires and caves, right, was the fact that you can change hearts to change minds and you can inspire, you can lead that way, you can get people to question things that maybe they should be questioning. And and this was, you know, the, the tool that I have at my disposal is to create a story that humanizes what that call to arms would look like. Because women and children and people in um, medical situations and things, they're the ones that feel the, the stings of war first and worst, right? We all know someone who's gone through a traumatic or a tragic pregnancy, and that's even with our functioning healthcare systems. So I wanted to paint what it actually might look like if people get their, you know, weird... Uh, video game fantasies, which as someone who works in video games, I promise you, it wouldn't look like that in real life. You can ask anyone <laughs> in any number of countries going through civil war now. Mm. Um, it, it, it's not fun. It's not like a uh, somebody wins and you get to thump your chest. Like, how do you even identify your your enemies here? So, so Yeah, I, I think that's the crazy thing, isn't it? Because people talk about something like it's it would happen in a film they watched or something like that when it's just like um you could look at certain countries to see what actually happens and the fact that then after there's no infrastructure so a country stays in in a you know turmoil for for years decades and is often invaded by other countries and all sorts of fun things happen after that. There's no internet. It's not like, I and mean, you can't even get the brand of toilet paper you want if you can even get toilet paper. For, yeah. I mean, the people that are calling for it loudest tend to be those who would be most distraught at not getting the right brand, right? Like <laughs> even the ones that are super preppers or something, there's no amount of canned beans that are going to see them through all the years um, and all the orphans they would hope to create, right? So yeah. it, it's it's a real lack of, it's short-sightedness and I think um, maybe a mother is in a really good position to point out when people are acting childishly. So I kind of took on that mantle and painted this very human picture of of what that could look like, even just um, just in one small, very tiny corner of it. So, mm. so what was the thing that kind of got you to just conceive this project, you know, well, it started off um, slightly selfishly in that I was nervous as an actor um, as I started to realize, you know, right after we got pregnant, we've been trying for a while and it really, uh, just like in the film, we thought we would need help and then it turned out, surprise, we didn't. Uh, so 
I was both thrilled to start that journey and terrified because I didn't know how um, the artist side of me, which defined so much of me up until then, would look. Like if I'd be able to still work. Um, mm. And I really selfishly started to worry about that and, and probably talked about it way too much uh, and complained about it to my husband. And finally, he was just like, just make a movie. And something about that was like an arrow to my brain where I was like, yeah, let's make a movie. What do we got? We got you and me and we got a, hmm, well, we got a pregnancy. Um, we got some equipment. We could get a better camera. huh? And it just kind of spiraled to the point that um, he was like, I guess I'm on this ride. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> and I had to convince uh, SAG-AFTRA that it was doable. And just every time that I'd come up against another hurdle, I'd try to find a way to, to climb over. And when I looked at, okay, do I write a script for this? I was like, well, pregnancy is, is really unpredictable as is the state of our nation right now, uh, because I was, I was even in 2015, really taken aback by the fact that I kept seeing in, in social media and mainstream media, the terms of the civil war just tossed around, but it felt like a, like a threat or like a dare or like a sensationalism where I was like, this is so irresponsible of people to just talk about it this way. Um, that I was like, no, I think this, I think this is my story. I think this is what I put, what we have in this world where what they're cheering on actually happens to show them what it looks like. And I was really in heart. Uh, every time I came up against another hurdle, I kind of was like, yeah, look, if I can do this, if I can just make this happen, hopefully it'll bring other people along with me. I can encourage others to try this ridiculous, you know, going after things they want to. And, and that was kind of the fire that kept me going through all the many hurdles. Uh, but yeah, so it was sort of, it was sort of threefold in that sense. And uh, it happened, the start of it happened very quickly because we knew we had a pretty hard deadline there. Uh, and then we had a surprise second pregnancy right afterwards. And we're like, oh, well, I guess we'll get some pickup shots. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was a, it was a lot of uh, um, life and art mingling together. <laughs> uh, so I, I think coming into the film, I've I, I've misconstrued what it was, oh. right? And then al also there was a thing with there's another thing. It says and introducing Lincoln and um, Elliot, yeah, Elliot, Maybe. right? And I was like, wait, but we saw the sonogram. There was only one. I'm like, so was they're it twins? Like, no, they're two years apart. Uh, that <laughs> Elliot is our surprise baby. So because it was also some of his thoughts, you see him physically in um, the the clinic scene when we finally make it to a clinic, spoilers, I suppose, but mm -hmm. um, and we're going in, he's briefly in that crowd scene. Uh, so he got to make his debut as well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the one on the sonogram is Lincoln, our very first little guy. <laughs> right, right. Because yeah, when when I was seeing, you know, the talk of civil war and everything like that, I thought it was a, a metaphor. Right. So I'm watching and also, right, I'm yeah. I just thought that the whole baby diaries and everything like that, that you kind of decide, oh yeah, let's document your peg pregnancy. And then we're like, oh, we could make a film out of it. So I'm watching it thinking, oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, so they do. And then it suddenly, after the conversation with your sister, I'm like, hmm, this seems to be a little something different. And then things are happening. I'm like, oh, 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 it's going here? You're yeah. right? And then, the, the, then when you watch the news and you're like, 
oh, this happened today. I'm like, oh shit, okay. This is this isn't what I expected. This is going Excellent somewhere dance else. around all the spoilers there. I like what you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we we figured we would make it feel very much like a um the the, the documentaries that kind of discover what they're actually documenting as they go, which some of them do. And some of the better mm. ones I've even seen uh, start off one way and then you, they realize and you realize along with them like, oh, actually the bigger story is here. And that's kind of what happens with this film is we start off very intimate and small and then and they're ignoring what's happening in the outside world as long as they can. And then it, it, it comes to affect their little yeah. world and they have to bring, it has to become a bigger film at that point. But I mean, that's happened with Icarus, right? Yeah. Because, you know, it was just meant about him documenting a race and then suddenly the whole doping scandal. Isn't and you're just like, whoa. <laughs> my, my dear friend, uh, Kurt Kenny, has a, a beautiful, tragic, haunting um, documentary called Dear Zachary that also kind of does that. And, uh, and so we kind of, we tapped into that very real uh, formula, I guess, <laughs> for how to cover something like that. Mm. And, you know, so with, you know, no real script and just like the idea into your shooting, were there things that you were just like, actually, no, we, we won't put that in or you just. Oh, yeah. There was plenty that didn't make that, you know, my beautiful little film baby sitting on the cutting room floor. Uh, I have so much to thank uh, Rachel Henry, our editor for on this. She was a wonderful collaborator and there from the start with us where we'd get her footage and she'd start to start assemble it and be like, okay, this is great. If we had, if we had something that could just transition between these scenes, maybe like this or this or this, and we'd spitball together. And then because we didn't have kids yet and could do this, we'd be like, great, I'm going to go film it. And uh, sometimes things would happen in real life, like in real life while trying to evaluate or pick a darn car seat, I was having a hormonal breakdown of just tears and how ridiculous the overwhelming number of choices were. And, and afterwards, <laughs> my husband was like, um, this is ridiculous and we should film it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, we should, it would be better for the movie. So it really took an interesting lens on our pregnancy where even when we hit roadblocks or hit something really funny, we'd be like, oh, we should recreate that. <laughs> <laughs> and Charlie is a brilliant uh, improviser, as are all the people that we brought on to this project. So I, I knew that even giving them just a, an outline, they could really run with it and elevate it. And I know a lot of people stress out with improv and, uh, and, and think that you won't be able to cut it together. But that just hasn't been my experience. Even with all my short films, I've had just a ton of luck trusting actors to really make, uh, make things fly. So <laughs> here as well. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of feel, yeah, well, if you give people the, the outline, because you know what certain conversations are, right? Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot of conversations that we've had. So you can channel that, you know, what, how arguments flow, right? How introductions go, things like that. So if you give people, you know, just the, that framework, I mean, yeah. And, and, and certain actors are going to be, you know, far more comfortable with it and, and better at it than others. Mm. Uh, so I did lean into the fact that I knew which which actors I knew that were just so gifted at this. And then when it became when you're working with more than two or three people, you it is better to have kind of a little more structure. So sometimes I'd have like a, a loose script uh, that I'd give them. 
um, for instance, even uh, with Glenn Morshower, he's such a pro. He's on like every show ever. Right. Um, and uh, so he, I know, prefers a script. So I, I gave him one and was like, within this, go ahead and play and make it your own. But I, I essentially just listened to one particular uh, news channel that night and, and I almost transcribed word for word, um, a rant that a particular guest was having that I couldn't believe I was hearing. And I've, I've heard similar, sadly, for so many years since 2015. But um, I transcribed this thing and gave it to him and he made it his own. And it still haunts me every time I hear him give that monologue because I'm like, oh, gosh, I thought for sure that 2015 was going to be the year that I hear this um, around Ferguson and stuff was happening. And, and all of a sudden it, it continues to repeat itself year after year. So, uh, tragically haunting <laughs> that I keep hearing those words out of other mouths, but, mm. but yeah, it, it was a really interesting experience in filmmaking. Uh, I wouldn't recommend making a film with only two people. I think I am thrilled I did it, but I so look forward to having a crew to lean on and to help elevate my work next time. Oh, I'll appreciate the heck out of a crew, uh, but but it is possible that you can you can learn these things. We all have you know little studios in our pockets, essentially. So you mm. can do this now. Yeah, like what was the most challenging aspect other than carrying around a frigging melon? You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> Uh, the pregnancy itself was quite a pickle um, toward the end. So we were operating not with a script, but with like post-it notes on a whiteboard, essentially that I would scoot around. And I had had uh, quite a bit of like action, running, climbing, all sorts of uh, different scene ideas uh, toward the end there. And as it turned out, like I had guessed, pregnancy is rather unpredictable. And um, we were given kind of a modified bed rest for the last <laughs> couple of weeks. And I was like, oh, no, what are we going to do? We still have to finish our movie. <laughs> and Charlie's like, but also our child. We also have to finish our child. I'm like, we do. We do have to do that. Um, so it was it was a real, you know, roll with the punches. Think on your feet. What can we do where I'm mostly sitting <laughs> or where I have to walk minimally? <laughs> um, so that was a new challenge. But I so was on the bridge when you're like, Charlie, I can't keep up. That was I real. I couldn't. It was like, I can't walk. So we'll just take two steps from the car that's right behind us and we'll film this. But <laughs> you know what is is really eye-opening and 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 so universal to to all women who've been pregnant, um, or people who know women who've been pregnant, um, which is most of us. Uh I, I would say the fact that I had to realize, having been up to that point a healthy able-bodied person just luckily uh that when you are your at the end of pregnancy you you can't run for your life it's mm. the first time that i really felt my mortality just staring at me in the face where i knew um i was not guaranteed any particular outcome you know and i had a, a deadline of like i have like a month where then i don't know what my life is going to look like is it going to be wonderful, new and exhausting and fun? Or is it going to be tragic? And I have a whole new battle to fight um, because I knew friends who had had that, uh, that particular roll of the dice. So I, I wanted to kind of capture that too, because dealing with even just your mortality at that point in life um, is hard enough, even under the best of circumstances. And yet there's families all over the world right now dealing with it in these in these horrible war 
drenched circumstances. So yeah, hopefully to, to really make some of those people who are calling for violence uh, think about all the people that it'll affect besides just themselves. Mm. But yeah, I, I, I think it's, you know, things change once you're in it, mm-hmm. right? Because I think we, we see it in so many different scenarios how if someone gets something like cancer, then suddenly, you know what I mean? It, you know, they they start donating to that charity and, you know, promoting and being all about it when before, eh, not, it wasn't even on the radar, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not until... I think these things enter the sphere of influence that then you're like, oh, it's different to what I expected, right? Right. It isn't just, um, you know, what I see in the films or reading a book. Yeah, we are rather selfish creatures by nature, us humans, but we don't always have to be because we also are capable of such wonderful empathy. And uh, anytime we can, we can, make that contagious, I guess, to share that, I think is, is when we're our best selves. Mm. Now, with, like, would the film, oh gosh, what do you call it? Uh, preeclampsia? Oh, Pl- yeah. Pl- uh, um, so, placenta previa? Yes. Preeclampsia is another condition as well that affects a lot of pregnancies. But placenta previa is where the placenta like grows over the cervix. So there's essentially no exit, right, (laughs) for a baby. And um, my sister had that. So 100 years ago, that would have been a death sentence. There's Mm. like the Nick is a is a really bad show to watch if you're pregnant. (laughs) But but shows the early 1900s when we were first trying to discover how uh, ways to do cesarean sections around this. Because up until then, it was just a death sentence and a surprise, right? Mm. Um, they would be like, oh, you're in labor. Oh, there's no exit. Sorry. And bum, bum, bum. So, uh, so having that is something that we can deal with, although it's still, still risky, but we can still mostly fix it um, and get both mother and baby through that now. Uh, without hospitals that are functioning, without access to those hospitals, it goes back to being a death sentence. Mm. Um, so yeah, I wanted to paint the fact that there's, there's so many rolls of the dice one takes when growing a human (laughs) that, uh, that you don't have any control over. And that's the case with, I think all of our health issues, right? You can't help if you get diabetes or cancer or fall out of a tree. I mean, maybe you could have not climbed the tree, but maybe you needed to get a child out of it. Who knows? Um, I did that yesterday, uh, but it's, it's, accidents happen life happens and and we're so lucky that we have so many tools to deal with these things that would have just been complete tragedies to previous generations but if we tear all the supports for those down we don't have them anymore so yeah i think it bears reminding people at this point in history yeah oh no definitely but i i think you mentioned it in the film and it was a part, but it wasn't, it didn't become this all encompassing thing. Right. And I I thought that was the way you handled certain aspects that were affecting them, but they didn't overpower the film. You know, they just became part of the narrative and just these things that you're contending with, 
You know, I thought that was that's a, kind of a, life, a right? <laughs> to take it is, but sometimes yeah. you you watch the program and then that becomes the main thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? The wild thing about uh, placenta previa and some of the other pregnancy conditions is that you kind of have to just keep going. Like there's no, you don't really feel it. You don't really have any control over changing it. So it's really just to like, well, let's see if we can fix it when the time comes or if it becomes an issue at the wrong moment. Um, and it's, it's weird, but thousands of people do this every day, right? Where you're like given some sort of awful diagnosis and you're like, okay, but I still have to function today mm. so i'll function <laughs> ish right yeah it's uh especially parents and and people who have other people depending on them it becomes just this uh a bit of a, a, a one foot in front of the other <laughs> yeah like i i i just assume that you always feel it kicking but then watching you and you'd be like yeah i'm Still can't feel it kick and you know this and he's like huh. that was weird too to discover um that that even in my 30s i knew so much uh, not not much <laughs> about pregnancy <laughs> right um yeah you don't feel really movement um or i didn't uh, until they're you know actual like big enough to make much of a dent i suppose <laughs> and then you feel them but it's not a constant wiggle situation they sleep a lot uh, so you do notice when they really start to stretch out or they have to reposition a little bit. But um, other than just the sheer uncomfort, like there's you're just uncomfortable at the end. Mm. You can't quite get away from that, um, which was a new sensation. Uh, you still you're still you. You still um, have large stretches of your existence where you're like, it's not ruling you. Right. <laughs> Other things are first and foremost. And then you're like, oh, right. It's hard to take steps. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it, the stick as well. Because that was, and when you mentioned it, I was like, yeah, what do people do with that thing? Right? right? Because, <laughs> what, what, That's pregnancy stick? When yeah. You because <laughs> like you see people, you know, be like, this is the first hanky that you blew your nose on. And this is, so it's just like, when you think of all the things people say, but I'd never heard anyone mention the stick. I was like, that's a good, what do people do with the stick? They're supposed to throw it away, I'm sure. I mean, there's urine on it. I just am ridiculous. And I think I really did save ours like for a while. That was another art imitating life where suddenly Charlie found it in our medicine cabinet. Cause I'd just been like, I don't know, what do I do? It's so, <laughs> we've wanted this for so long. I guess I'll just put it here for now. I'll decide later. And he came and was like, um, lady. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, we should film this. He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I, I'd probably want to put it in a, in, in a bag or something. Fair point. Fair <laughs> point. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, that, look, there's a lot of weird things that happen where you're not maybe um, making pregnancy brain does happen on some levels where you're not always thinking the clearest of clear thoughts. And you're like, I don't know. I'm ruling with my emotions right now. Go with it. <laughs> like, this, this is the crazy thing about this, because, yeah, this is your debut film and Lincoln's your first kid. So, like, what were you know, the, 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 the different things, like the perceptions that you had of both, which completely changed once doing them? Uh, the, the parenthood and the filming? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Because, um, yeah, you did it at the same time. So, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was familiar with aspects of filming. I mean, I'd certainly been a, a part, uh, an actor on various films. I'd certainly been a producer on various films uh, and even other crew positions. This was the first time I had to be all of them. <laughs> um, so there were areas that I was very comfortable running in and it was just second nature. And then there were ones that I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing with sound. I have to watch 37 YouTube videos real quick. Hold on. Um, so um, yes much like parenting, you're just rolling with the punches. And the biggest lesson I've learned parenting wise, that I suppose also applies to film directing, parenting of a film, um, is that all of your preconceived notions and your judgments of yourself or others ahead of time, you're probably going to have to eat crow and like, uh, you'll do exactly what you thought you wouldn't. <laughs> uh, time and time again, um, all that I was a, a babysitter and a nanny for my thrival gigs for years. And so I thought I had kids figured out. I had helped sleep train various children. I had helped through picky eating issues. I was like, I got this. And then my kids come along and are like, oh, you think you do? <laughs> I'll show you. So um, yeah, I had to rethink and relearn all the things. <laughs> but I would say being open to constantly having learning curves and constantly realizing how little you already know <laughs> is what makes it um, manageable, as well as being able to laugh at oneself a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like the beginning of the film, you guys just happy all the time. <laughs> happy. And so that was the other thing when I thought this was a, you know, actual, like a real kind of, you know what I mean? A thing. I mean, like, damn, these people are so, super happy. So when there is the scene with you and the, um, you know, I can't pick the right chair. I was like, oh, shit. Okay. okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, we are seeing different sides of you up in this. So, we yeah, all put yeah. on, you know, um, a, a lovely mask for social media and for, you know, public appearances <laughs> and otherwise. And so that's how we started uh, the film was with those you know, public facing masks on mm. the characters. And then as it continues on and you're not able to sustain that forever, you eventually start to see cracks uh, in, in the character's guard, I suppose, as well as in how long they're able to maintain that. And we're naturally generally humorous or happy people. So that still tries to pop up here and there, but sometimes the world will just be a little heavier than that allows. And so we had to just go with that and, uh, Hopefully, try to react as one would. <laughs> yeah, it was an a, it it was a nice counter to then things that happened later on in the film, like um when Charlie's sitting in the bathroom, just you know what I mean, be like, this happened today, and all yeah. I have is this left, and you're just like, oh. We yeah. you, we wanted you to be able to first like the characters so that you cared about us when when things really go south um, because that is people's way into empathy, right? Mm. Like you have to kind of care about somebody. And then once we do invest a little bit in another human, we suddenly really do care about their journey and we want things to go better for them. And I love that about humanity. Um, and I hope, you know, if I had a superpower, I would love it to be that I could like weaponize or share or make empathy contagious. I do, I do think that would solve a lot of our problems if we thought about other people. But 
but in general, I would say that my filmmaking, my storytelling always kind of lends, leans on that um, superpower, that magic of, of hopefully um, touching hearts to change minds. Mm. Well, I, I think that's, that's a big thing, right? I think the more perspective, perspective, the more fair and early here, you're fine. Yeah, the, the, the different <laughs> viewpoints that we see, I think that helps shape our, um, you know, our perception of stuff, right? right. I think even if somebody disagrees with you on one thing, you you might have a lot in common, and if you actually sat mm. down and talked about it, you could probably find a solution. Yeah, and you don't have to agree on everything. That's true. It too. doesn't really matter. As, as long, I always find, as long as that moral foundation is the same, like there's going to be the, the key things that you agree on and you'll veer off on other things. Yeah. But as, as long as you agree on, you know, all right, we're not killing people. You're like, oh, you agree with that? I agree with that. Right. <laughs> the mutual respect of another being really has to be there just to even have a society, right? Mm. That's, that's sort of our baseline. <laughs> I respect you, you respect me, we can connect and see where we differ, see where we can, where we can agree. And chances are, if two people talk, you can find a lot more agreement than if two camps of people yell at each other, right? Yes. Or demonize each other. So when you start seeing someone else as just the enemy, um, which a lot of our, our media paints one camp or the other, it makes it really hard to to come together and to respect each other and to uh, move whole groups of society forward, really, to find solutions. It makes mm. it hard. Yeah, no, for real. Right, now, I, I think there was a couple of things that happened in the film and not so much the, the, the narrative, but just the baby diaries. Right. So is this a thing that you actually did? Um, it was suggested by Charlie originally, and that's kind of why we folded it into the film. <laughs> um, I, I, you, I will often go along with uh, stuff like that. But I think at the time, uh, vanity also plays a little bit of a card when you're pregnant for the first time, especially. And you're having to deal with like, oh, I look different. Um <laughs> That I always have. Uh, so I think I was worried about that in real life. Um, but we, it, it was something suggested that we realized would make a really good part of the film. And also, ironically, serve as a little bit of an actual diary for us on that pregnancy journey. So, you know, two birds, one stone. Because uh, I was kind of curious to, when do these get watched? You know what I mean? Like, at what point do you sit down with the kid and be like, hey, Lincoln, do you want to see something? Be like, eh, not really. Be like, no, 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 no. Like, watch this. This is how you were made. Kids <laughs> sure do love uh, watching themselves. Yeah, but you're right. They probably won't care to watch their parents uh, too much until they're much older. So at least our mm. solution for that is we made email addresses for both of our kiddos. And then every now and then we just write them or send them a little video that'll be in there. And then when they turn 18, we'll give them the password and they can have all of this um, 
documentation of us writing them notes about like, oh, today you were in first grade and you said this and here's a little picture of it and it touched my heart or whatever. Or like, you're hilarious. You told me your Patronus was Miss Piggy. Like whatever it is, like we just kind of share as we go and um, save it for them so that maybe someday they'll appreciate it. Because I know at the as a child, I wouldn't have appreciated my parents doing that. But now as an adult, had that what they have documented even is so dear to me that there comes a point I think in our life that it really is appreciated. Yeah, no, no, that, yeah, that that makes more <laughs> sense, right? Because yeah, I think it, it's fun to kind of take that glimpse back. You know what I mean? Look in the uh, time capsule, as it were, to like, yeah. oh, you thought that? Or wait, I did not say <laughs> that. You mean it's just like when your parents say to you, when you were a kid, you really wanted to be this way. You'd be like, no, I didn't. Like, oh, why right. would I want to? And be like, look, you're like, proof. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. We're going to have so many embarrassing uh, stories and pictures there saved for them. <sighs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> but the other thing I was curious about, because um, you said like in real life, you, you were trying for a kid for a while and then it happened when I did see that watch that screen I was like all right so you 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 were told that you might need things but so how did you know you were pregnant then and I was like oh yeah there, there are all ways to fight yeah there's a couple ways to yeah, find out yeah. and then yes <laughs> and then a couple ways to double check that uh, <laughs> yeah that actually was part of our story we had tried for two a little over two years and had been after that told by like three or four different doctors that each of us had none of them could agree which was quite frustrating where you get told like one thing like oh you'll need you'll need help you'll need a procedure no it's you um <laughs> we're really baffled by that but um we, we wanted to try whatever we could so we had um set, saved up and we were going in to get a procedure uh and right before that we went on a trip to ireland actually and uh uh, came back and went in for the procedure. And the first thing they make you do is take a, a pregnancy test just to rule out everything. And they were like, actually, you are pregnant. And we're like, wait, what? Uh-huh. I'm going to just take that check back. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it was a, a, a lovely surprise, <laughs> but definitely a surprise. I, yeah, I can imagine. But yeah, those Irish blindy stones really do uh-huh. have magic, it seems. <laughs> like what I was curious about though is with kind of trying for so long during that period you don't think of baby names because it was just like with the diaries and you're like hey baby I'm like and you're just thinking the baby's kids I got a name damn it what's it doing with you calling me baby you you do but I will say you don't want to get your hopes up so um along with that process of, of trying comes a lot of um, false starts, right? Okay. So it's something that's not really even discussed in, in the U.S. And I think that's that's tragic. But um, we had probably six or seven or more uh, miscarriages early on. But they're, they're so early that it's, you know, so it's, it's very, very early. But mm. it's super common. And yet you you're where you are and then you're not. And so it's a lot of excitement, let down, excitement, let down. And so the first time you might um, assign a name and then realize your heart's broken, and but you don't want to give that name away 
So you try to find another. And mm. it's a, it is quite a process that is actually really super common. And I wish more um, women and parents trying, trying to become parents, I wish they were aware of that because uh, I know it can hurt so many thinking they're alone on that journey. And it's, it is just super normal. Bodies just need to find their way if you're not 16, apparently. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, it is not always something that's just um, first first try. So, Right. I mean, that makes perfect sense. But, yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that. Because I think what you – because I've known – I've had friends who have tried for a while and then got pregnant like yourselves. Mm -hmm. But I think when you watch – films or you know tv and stuff like that it's either let's have a baby and we're like wait we're not pregnant in the first month there must be something wrong with us no no yeah and, and that's how it's usually depicted and then it's just like okay so you're straight to IVF, and then it's just like and it, it goes down that road rather than you know talking about it like you just did there you know what i mean yeah, and i think that's a, a weird it's weird because you're giving people a perception of something that happens in a way that it doesn't really happen. Yeah, I think you're beginning to see a little more realistic portrayals just now in, in some film and TV as more and more women become writers and kind of push that narrative, right, or, or directors. Um, but previously, there was a lot that, that men always weren't always privy to right mm. um, or and maybe weren't wasn't their main um i don't know experience right and so it, it's hard to write about something that you don't have to slog through and uh so and i found fascinating just finding out recently that actually i love lucy was the very first show that showed a pregnancy at all. She was actually pregnant during their storyline. They made a whole season of it where she actually was pregnant and they discussed it. And then they timed the birth of the child on the show to their actual C-section. And they were born, uh, their son was born the night that their TV son was born and aired. Oh, Super wild and weird that they were able to do that. And they guessed right because there, there wasn't ultrasounds at the time. So 50-50, they actually got the gender right, right? Ta-da, it actually was a boy. Um, <laughs> for the show, but, uh, but yeah, it, up until really recently, it wasn't something that was um, covered much beyond the like, oh, happy ending mm. or, or just super tragedy, but we don't talk about it too much. So, uh, so yeah, I think I'm, I'm happy to help share a little bit of that narrative and I hope to see more people do it because it's messy and weird and heartbreaking and uplifting and every emotion there is, but it's also really super, super normal and common. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, I I was surprised with the death in the in the film. I, oh. I didn't expect, you know. Yeah, that was a bit. <laughs> what? Because at first I thought, yeah, the car's getting turned around, and then when the fingers were like, no, that that, that was a bit, that was sad. And and that was also spurred on by. Um, I have, I have some friends who were refugees um, throughout their lives. And w one of them from, from Bosnia, one of them from different, different times of turmoil throughout the world, right? And, mm -hmm. um, and also that was big in our national dialogue at the time. We had a lot of refugees we now do again, um, we're dealing with. And, and just that aspect of having to leave your home and not just your home, but your homeland and your language and your family and your friends, everything you know. 
And part of that, I also realized just a tiny part was your pets. You don't get to bring those. They just get left. And that was just an extra layer of, oh, um, that I thought could really be um, something that all humans can connect on. Uh, So, yeah, we, we folded that in as well. Yeah, I I am hearing that Domino is arguing about the royalties. You know what I mean? It hasn't <laughs> got a check yet, definitely. which seems yeah. crazy. What's funny is she she we didn't plan for her to be in the film necessarily. It's just that she <laughs> exists around us and rules the roost. And she would just we'd get the camera out and she'd be like, "Oh, I'll hit my mark. Is it here in front of the camera? Give me in focus. That'd be great." Uh, so she's just, uh, she's like our cat and she is a joy and uh, she is still uh, very much alive inside. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, she's just a big part of her lives. But um, yeah, I think she might have been a silver screen star back in, in a previous life because she just knows how to work it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Now, is she named after the X-Men? x-men domino no the actual i mean she's white with black spots so, ah, so less, right, right. less okay. than that even she showed up on my great aunt's doorstep in the desert one day uh as like a barely more than a kitten herself and was pregnant with six more kittens and my <laughs> great aunt took her in and adored her and then when she went into hospice asked if we would take domino as our inheritance and we were we were thrilled so she's been our one of my best inheritances ever <laughs> <laughs> Ah, nice. Nice. <laughs> so what happens now, right? The film is now out. It's out. Yeah. Boom. So, yeah, your, third, your third birth. I know. <laughs> it's like a long time to gestate. Um, so yes, it is available everywhere on demand. So you can get it. Um, I know 100% of the, the cable uh, networks in the U.S., so that's Spectrum, Comcast, all those. Uh, and then you've got Xbox, you've got iTunes, Apple TV, Amazon, um, Google, YouTube movies, Voodoo, Hoopla, all the all the words. Uh, <laughs> and I'll be sharing links today on all my social media, and I put my, my handle here, at Paula underscore Rhodes, um, to get it, uh, rent it, buy it, uh, share it. Uh, the DVDs, I believe, will be available in just a, a few weeks via Amazon, Best Buy, Walmart, and Barnes & Noble. And I can't, <laughs> it doesn't quite feel real yet, but I am so thrilled. And I hope to be having more of these important conversations. And 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 thank you for having me on to have them because, I mean, our nation is dealing with a particular anniversary this week anyway. And so I figured it's a, it's a good time to have those conversations and a little reminder that, um, you know, civil war isn't, isn't the answer to anything. So. No, I, I, I think, you know, everyone, like it, it's funny, right? Because every, everything that was going on in the U S and you see people going, it's crazy over there. It's not like that yeah. here. And you'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you guys have a little bit of tension too. Yeah. These are strong feelings on both sides or all multiple sides. Yeah, it, yeah. it did seem a, a case of um, stones and glass houses. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was lucky enough to study in London uh, for a semester. So yes, I, I, I'm a little bit, I'm not, not as aware as I am of the situation here, but I am, I am aware. Yeah. Yes. We humanity is universally going through some things. Mm. <laughs> and we've had a rough couple of years, right? Dealing with a pandemic on a global scale is 
is traumatic on every level. So um, I hope we, I hope we all treat each other with a little extra grace and empathy for now. <laughs> yeah. But I, I did enjoy the clinic scene at the end <laughs> because I, I, because I think that's what we perceived humans would be like in a certain situation. We then realized, Oh no, <laughs> not everyone. Right. Yeah, and so yeah. at the end when it's just like, she's just a, she, her wall is broke. She's just, and then the disgruntlement and you're like, Oh yeah. You know, I think if we'd seen that scene maybe five, ten years ago, people might go, wait, no one would really be like that. But after your know, recent things, people, yeah. oh, yeah, no, people are going to be like that. Yeah, it's it's been a hard realization, I think, for a lot of people the last couple of years to, to notice that a sizable chunk of humanity uh, would rather not be inconvenienced even if that means you know not helping fellow humans mm. uh, in their moment of need so that's been eye-opening i hope that changes i i think we are much stronger when we care about each other and come together we're we're better off as a colony of ants than we are <laughs> the lone ant out in, <laughs> uh, struggling on its own um but but not everybody believes that so um we have some challenges and I think we're going to need all hands on deck as far as smart hands and smart hearts uh, to try to steer our collective humanity a little bit better in the future. So I'm hoping some people see this and feel some sort of spark in their hearts to, to step up and to use their voices and use their platforms and um, their actions to make this world just a little bit better, a little kinder. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, you know, stories like yours definitely help shape the narrative, help people see different viewpoints, points of view, you know what I mean? And, and it creates a discussion. So, um, yeah, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoyed the film. So, yeah, and I appreciate you coming by and talking about it. So thank uh, you very much. Thank you, Kevin. This has been a really, it's, it's been a joy. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> And have you got an, another project that you're working on? Uh, or are you taking, you know, a break <laughs> from all the births you've had recently? You'd think. I guess you just get hooked once you start, right? Um, <laughs> from not, not from actual children. I think we're good there for now. Um, but, but yeah, I have um, a script that just won Best Script at La Femme Film Fest that I'm writing right. with some amazing ladies. And uh, that's a female dystopian um fantasy that's pretty fun and uh we also have some really cool projects in the works uh with different hats on um that i wish i could talk about i'm so excited about them but you know ndas they own my children if i say anything uh -huh. darn it but in the meantime been it's been an amazing year with the resident evil fandom it's been an amazing year uh getting delicate state off the ground and now i'm so i'm gonna take at least today to really enjoy the fact that it's coming out there and people can can see what we've done now. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you, you <laughs> definitely need to to just sit back and let it wash over you and absorb all the love that you're going to be getting from this one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but once you're able to talk about the other projects, mm -hmm. hey, come by and let's have another conversation. All right. Oh, love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> all right. Splendid people. Delicate States is out now. 
go check it out. And um, you see the handle, go follow Paula. All right. Oh, it's over here. There we go. Mm, cameras. It, it's somewhere. <laughs> it's somewhere floating around. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Paula. I appreciate it. All right. <laughs> you take care. Yo, how great was that, right? How great was that? Paula was a delight. Man, I think I talked her ear off. <laughs> but man, yeah, she, she gave the time and yo, that was such an interesting conversation. You know what I mean? I, I think that's going to help a lot of first time directors and creatives. So people, go, go follow Paula, right? All her links are in the information. You know what I mean? All the links for the film in the information. So, yeah, follow Paula, show her some love, and go check out the film because honestly, people, it really is very interesting. Very interesting indeed. And um, I, I think it does show a picture of what could be. You know what I mean? So, yeah, people, that's it for this week. If you haven't checked out part one yet, go do that because it's a bumper for films. You know what I mean? So, people, that is us for, for um, our first Echo Chamber of the Year. We'll see you next week because, oh, trust me, for the next few weeks, we've got a lot of films to cover, man. We've got a lot of films to cover. And we're just getting started. All right, people. Peace.